Today on Blue 58, your host goes to Wisconsin. The Packers make some cuts in the regular season. It's kind of, sort of, actually underway. How'd that happen? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here after, yes, a weekend, a Labor Day weekend in Wisconsin. It was fun. I uh, had a great time. Uh, kind of some cool, like, once-in-a-lifetime stuff. Uh, my son got to go to Wisconsin for the first time. That was pretty cool. But while he was there, he got to meet my grandparents, so his great-grandparents, which was pretty, pretty special. And actually took up a lot more of my time and interest than anything that happened with the Packers this weekend, which I think is good and understandable. But it was fun to watch the cuts roll in after that Thursday night preseason game, which I got to actually watch in Green Bay, which is a lot of fun just as well. This is how I like to do cut weekend kind of just let everything come out at once take a step back say okay where are we what are the Packers up to what does the roster look like is this roster any good we're not going to know the answer to that last question for a while but we can kind of assess where this weekend took us on our last episode of Blue 58 the last time we talked together I made my final roster prediction and I think all things considered I did pretty well uh, I got one wrong among the running backs. I got two offensive linemen wrong. I missed out on Fidal Brown. The inside linebacker position threw me off with how they did injured reserve. And uh, other than that, we, we were right there. Uh, I was pretty proud to have gotten the defensive backfield. I think entirely right, if I'm reading the roster correctly. Um, it was it was a good group uh, there on defense. But uh, it, it got a little bit hard to predict. I was, I was pleasantly surprised at a couple of things. Uh, and nothing really caught me off guard. Nothing really super weird here, but we'll get into the, the individual stuff here in just a second. Probably would have done even better had we waited until after the final preseason game to do the prediction, but that's how these things go. Would have switched probably Lucas Patrick and Justin McCray and probably Trey Carson and Dexter Williams. But other than that, I felt pretty good about the prediction I put out there, and it turned out that things went pretty well for me as well. Let's talk about the big move. Starting with one that really kind of threw me off or or maybe meshed with the roster in a way that we kind of saw coming. The injured reserve, not injured reserve, will guys get to the 53-man roster or not question. As it turns out, Equinemia St. Brown and Curtis Bolton did not have a chance to return from injured reserve this year because both of them were put on injured reserve before uh, the cutdown deadline. St. Brown is now done for the year. Uh, Bolton was waived with an injury designation, which means that uh, he could have returned at some point this year or, or could have played for somebody this year had he been claimed, but he was not, so he reverts to the Packers and goes on their injured, injured reserve. So both of them are now done for the year. I think I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't try to get one or both of those guys through to the 53, uh, but as we've learned more, it sounds like their injuries may have been a little bit more serious than initially suspected. That four to six week estimate for Equinemia St. Brown in particular seems a tad overly optimistic. But now he'll have all year to recover and he'll be back at full strength at the start of next season, hopefully, if everything goes well. If not, 
No harm, no foul on either side. Justin McCray getting traded. I did not see this one coming in particular. This one was a complete surprise. Not not that the Packers would try to trade McCray, but that they could find a taker so easily. If they were going to find someone to take him, though, it makes sense that it would be the Cleveland Browns. First, because of all the front office connections there, and then because his former offensive line coach in Green Bay is now holed up in Cleveland, James Campen. So that makes uh, makes a lot of sense there. Um, the, the real implication here of the McRae departure is that Elton Jenkins really must be locked in as that number two center there behind him. Uh, Cole Madison made the roster as well, something I didn't think would happen. He did not do super well when he, he got opportunities at center. But of course, Jenkins did play there extensively in college, so he would seem like the natural fit should something happen to Corey Lindsley. Hopefully that doesn't happen and they have options to drop uh, Jenkins in elsewhere along the offensive line. Was happy to see that uh, Lane Taylor did not get cut. I think, though, you could realize some savings by cutting him. If he's not going to be a problem as a non-starter, and by all accounts, it doesn't seem like Lane Taylor is the kind of guy who would, why not just keep him around and have a little bit of extra offensive line depth? You can never have too many good offensive linemen around. Darius Shepard making the 53-man roster is... Both a nice surprise and something that became more and more of a foregone conclusion as things went on. He had about as bad a fourth preseason game as you could really ask him to have between a limited exposure on offense and a fumble on a kick return to the point that I wondered if he had played himself off the roster in something that I published on Friday at thepowersweep.com. But as it turns out, the balance of the preseason carried the day there. His flexibility as a returner um, gets him to the roster. While it does make sense to me that you would want to have that active or that extra returner around, I wonder if that's overthinking it a little bit when you're looking at your wide receiver position in totality. I think it's a fair question to wonder if a backup punt returner is of less value than an actual number six wide receiver. Because I think from a receiving perspective, Lazard is at least as good, Alan Lazard is at least as good or better than Darius Shepard. And if Shepard's not going to be actively returning punts or covering kicks or whatever, wouldn't you just rather rather have that extra receiver out there? Maybe, maybe not. Lazard is around in Green Bay on the practice squad anyway. Would imagine this is going to turn into one of those situations where he's getting a full rookie minimum salary pretty quickly, as we've seen the Packers do in the past. But We'll probably see him on the active roster at some point this year. Hard time thinking that that he won't be there. Uh, Fidal Brown making the roster a nice, nice surprise. And I think this shows um, some different ways that we have to think about players. First and foremost, again, a legitimate full-on surprise here, despite uh, all the a lot of the beat writers out there acting like this wasn't that big of a shock. I think keeping him, especially if they're calling him a defensive lineman, is a legit surprise. Now, if you think of him more as an edge rusher, though, maybe this isn't such a big surprise. Among the Packers defensive linemen, Fidal Brown is by far the smallest. So maybe we should think of him more as just a hand-down edge rusher as opposed to a stand-up edge rusher because there's really not a whole lot of difference in the 3-4 anymore between outside linebackers who rush the passers passer and defensive ends who rush the passer they're basically the same position it's just 
structured a little bit differently how you line up. If you think of Fidal Brown as that kind of player, an edge player, that probably explains why he ended up on the active roster. He did some of that edge stuff down the stretch last year, was pretty good at it. You like his motor, you like his effectiveness, uh, and he seems like a nice, versatile player to have around. I would much rather have him than a Reggie Gilbert who is traded. I would probably rather have him than Kyler Fackrell. And just given his seasoning and experience, you probably like him over a guy like Randy Ramsey, who we were pretty high on over the past couple weeks, just given the amount of exposure he was getting in the preseason. I think that covers just about all the big moves here. I've got a few other questions, thoughts, and concerns as we continue to look at this active roster here, though. Um, Question, or maybe just a thought here. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the Packers ended up with no waiver claims. That is not to say they didn't put in any claims. They just didn't get any. Waiver claims work a lot like the draft. There's an order of priority. The Packers were 12th because that was where their first pick was in the draft this past spring. I would imagine they probably put in a couple claims on guys because that's just how Brian Gutekunst has tended tended to work. Uh, But that they didn't get any is not necessarily reflective of their desire to get more people doesn't mean that they won't try to add more players between now and the the next couple weeks. I'd be surprised if they brought anybody to the roster before this Thursday's game, just because they're really not going to have a chance to to really contribute in this this first week of the season. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some moves in the relatively near future, especially since the Packers have a quasi-bye week after the first game of the season here. The defensive back configuration I thought was a little bit interesting, and this is something they talked about in the broadcast on Thursday night. Chandon Sullivan getting some reps at safety in addition to some work at corner. The Packers have 11 defensive backs in the roster right now between cornerback and safety. And I think, first, that's interesting from a versatility standpoint. You can do a lot of interesting things with those 11 guys. But it also sets up the question of what you do if and when Ibrahim Campbell returns. Whose spot does he take? Does he take anybody's spot? Is it a cornerback or a safety? Is Will Redmond in trouble? Is Chandon Sullivan in trouble? Who knows? You have to think the Packers are interested in keeping Campbell around, though, and giving him a role when he's ready to go. That is a storyline that bears a little bit of watching. I'm also wondering how committed the Packers actually are to Mason Crosby. So Crosby defeats Sam Ficken in his training camp competition, presumably setting him up to be the Packers kicker for the balance of the season. The big reason why is is his, his cap figure. A lot of people seem to think the Packers would be interested in clearing a little bit of cap space by releasing Mason Crosby. But I would argue that the cap savings on releasing Mason Crosby are not the primary concern here. I think the Packers are mainly just concerned with getting a guy who can kick. And should Mason Crosby falter, I don't think the Packers would hesitate at all to make a move here again. They really didn't sound throughout most of the the preseason that he was that this was anything other than a, a legitimate competition, that he could have actually lost his job here. And if that's the case, that competition shouldn't be over just because there's not another kicker on the roster. He should still have to be kicking for his job each and every week. Now, are there kickers out there who are as good or better than Mason Crosby? I think that's a fair question, too. Probably not. Otherwise, they'd be on a roster. Matt Bryant, notwithstanding in Atlanta, it's kind of Atlanta or nothing for him. But I think it it is another thing that bears a little bit of, of watching should Crosby struggle here in the early going. The one thing that we do know for sure is the Packers are more confident in their kicking situation than the Chicago Bears seem to be in theirs. What a collective uh, 
problem that has been for Chicago for nine months or so now. Uh, if you have to be that obsessed about your kicker, um, well, that's not that's just not a great place to be. Not a shot at the Bears. Just you'd rather not have to be asking those questions of yourself constantly. Uh, looking elsewhere on the roster, I was pleasantly surprised to see Dexter Williams make it over Trey Carson. This is something I wrote about on Friday as well. I think the Packers might have been overthinking it a little bit when they talked about Trey Carson being a better option because of his pass blocking and receiving out of the backfield. That may be true, but we're looking at running backs in Matt LaFleur's offense to run primarily. This is a run-based scheme. You want runners out there. And Dexter Williams, I don't think it can really be argued, is a better I don't think you can can argue the flip side of Dexter Williams being a better runner than Trey Carson. He's just self-evidently better at carrying the football than Carson is, from my my perspective at least. Those other skills that he is behind Carson in are things that can be developed. You can learn how to receive out of the backfield. You can learn how to be a better pass-blocking back. We've seen guys in Green Bay do that already. Aaron Jones has improved over the past year as a, as a pass-blocker. Jamal Williams started out good and has continued to be a good pass-blocker. He's gotten even better as things have gone on. That's something you can learn and get better at. Keeping Carson over Williams because he was a better pass-blocker seems like you're missing the overall point of what you're trying to accomplish there. Just one guy's opinion. You always wonder about holes at the end of the preseason after you've made your cuts, after you've reduced your roster down to where it's going to be during the regular season. I don't see any screaming big holes for the Packers right now. There are some thin spots, though, um, and relatively predictable one. Inside linebacker is pretty thin, but you wonder how much they're going to need a second linebacker on the field next to Blake Martinez when you can fill in guys like Raven Green and even Ty Summers at a pitch. I think the best way of thinking about inside linebacker or the second inside linebacker spot is remembering that last year they got by and were pretty okay for most of the season with Antonio Morrison in that spot. If you can get a guy who's at least as good as Antonio Morrison, you're not in too bad a shape. Uh, Offensive tackle, I'm still not feeling super great about the depth there. There weren't a lot of options there in Green Bay to really shore up that depth. And if there was a a good uh, backup quality caliber out there, we'd probably know about him already. Chances are he's on the roster someplace throughout the league already. So it's not so much that there is something they could have done dramatically differently there, short of drafting a guy, but you do wonder about their depth behind uh, Bakhtiari and Bulaga. You've only got Alex Light and Billy Turner, both combo tackle guard type guys. You could make it work if you had to, but you do wonder about the depth a little bit. Then safety again, circling back to this, um, again, not really a hole, but just how is it going to shake out? You feel pretty confident that it's going to be Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, and Raven Green for the balance of the season should they be healthy. You're going to have those three guys on your roster throughout the, the entirety of the season. But how do you sort things out between Will Redmond, Chandon Sullivan, and Ibrahim Campbell when he returns? That's a fair question to ask. Is there another option out there that may be even better than any of those guys? That That's something that we could watch as well. Incidentally, I don't think Will Redmond has gotten enough credit for the the journey he has been through to making a 53-man roster here. He was a third-round pick in San Francisco all the way back in 2016, but has yet to to really get an extended look 
on a 53-man roster. Last year's five-game stint with the Packers was the most burn he's gotten on an active roster in his career. That's a long time to go, only playing five football games. It's cool to see him get to this point, uh, finally put his injury problems behind him and play on the active roster. Final thought. Looking at the roster as a whole, I think there's one really obvious thing here. Uh, The Packers got through the preseason, by and large, pretty darn healthy. Outside of inside linebacker, there's no position group that really seems to have been significantly affected by injury. You've got all your quarterbacks that you'd like to have. You've got all your running backs you'd like to have. Wide receiver is healthy top to bottom. So is tight end and offensive line. You've got pretty much your top 15 guys available for you on offense. By and large, the same is true on the defense. Kevin King says he's going to be back for week one and ready to go. Other than Oren Burks, there's really nobody in the top two at any spot on that roster that's significantly banged up. That's a significant accomplishment in and of itself and shouldn't be shouldn't be underestimated as the Packers go into the regular season. One of the reasons the Bears did so well last year is they were healthy. And kudos to them. That's not a knock on them or trying to downplay the success they had. But they just were able to stay really healthy throughout all of last season. And it helped them do a lot of really great things on defense. They had a lot of continuity on defense. They had guys that could get in there, get consistent reps. You knew where everybody was going to be. Vic Fangio knew what he was going to have on a down-in, down-out, game-in, game-out, month-in, month-out sort of basis. He didn't have to constantly be reinventing what he was doing on defense just to keep up with his personnel. That's a great thing to have. Health is an awesome thing to have, and the Bears should have felt really good about the health that they had last year going into the playoffs. We're obviously at a far different point here heading into the regular season, but the Packers are pretty healthy, and you have to feel pretty good about that overall. To put a bow on it, this was, a, I think, a pretty pretty low-key cut-down weekend. There weren't a lot of big surprises. There weren't a lot of new additions. This is pretty much the Packers team we expected to see, other than the, the possibility of waiver claims being out there. Uh, we thought that might be something that would happen. It turned out not to be the case. This is the team we've got, and you, you have to feel pretty good about it, if only because of the health. Here's what we're doing going forward. This, as you're listening to it right now, is the first in our regular season schedule of podcasts. We are back up to three a week now, which means that on a regular week, we'll be publishing shows Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday will be a recap of the game that happens on Sunday. Wednesday will be a midweek topic. Uh, catching up on stuff that's going on with the team. Maybe we'll do some interviews this year. Got some stuff potentially in the works for stuff like that uh, that I think will be interesting. And then Fridays will be our previews. We're excited to bring those shows to you each and every week. And we hope you appreciate having three new shows in your feed uh, from me, from the Power Sweep, each and every week. And if you like what you're hearing, uh, do consider giving us some support, either by uh, donating on Patreon, patreon.com slash thepowersweep, or by buying a t-shirt through Teespring. It does help us do what we do. It shows people value what we're doing out there. And uh, if if not that, uh, consider leaving us a rating, a review, or just reaching out via social media, whatever, just to say hello. We appreciate all those things as well. And if you choose to leave a rating and review for the show, it helps more people find us. And that's always great as well. So I've got for you on this episode, I already did my spiel for you. Do consider supporting us if, you, if that is something that's been on your mind. It'll, it'll make a big difference as we head into the regular season here 
Um, there are some potential upgrades in the works that uh, that I may be able to tell you about here in the relatively near future, and, and your support would be greatly appreciated towards that. Share this podcast with people you, th- you think might benefit from it. We are just trying to further our mission of uh, helping everybody become smarter Packers fans, as because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we're all trying to be. I've been your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time as we talk Chicago Bears and the start of the regular season right here on Blue 58.